With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday, January 22nd, and we are delighted that you're joining us today. Thank you. Mark and I work very hard to make sure that we give you lots of fun, fresh content And the way that we can do that is for you to actually send us questions. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com, askjill at jillonmoney.com. You know, we haven't done a ton of, of economic data. I should really mention that we got our weekly unemployment claims, the jobless claims, And it came in a pretty high number again. Yesterday, the Labor Department told us 900,000, a slight decrease, but my gosh, 900,000, that's pretty rotten. What else can I point out about that report? Well, obviously, with COVID still soaring, we have so many people who are sidelined. The the strange thing, or the, I guess, the, the interesting thing is that the total number of people collecting under all programs is about 16 million. So that's down pretty dramatically. So I'm trying to figure out what does this really tell us about the economy is that I think we are still seeing so much pressure in service sector jobs, people really taking a hit, um, the lower income folks. We just got a new report out from USA Today. Actually, they did some analysis of some of the labor market data for last year. They found out that an average of one and a half million people every month missed work because of, quote, their own illness, injury, medical problems. That is 45% more than over the normal levels that we've seen over the last two decades. Child care related absences up 250%. You know, this is what COVID has done. And we're not out of it yet. I, I am hopeful that some of the data, I, you know, I, I obsessively go onto the COVID tracking project. Do you ever go there, Mark? I, I love that site. I just think it's chock full of information. But it, it it is looking like things are peaking. Doesn't mean we keep our guard down. But gosh, I am really so hopeful that we are turning a corner that with the vaccines 
and with some relief coming to individuals, because obviously there are still going to be people who are incredibly, incredibly impacted in a negative way. And we just want to make sure that they're taken care of. It's really better for all of us. It's not funny thing. Sometimes people get a little bit, I don't know, they, they, you realize that something judgmental, I guess that's what I would say. Some people get judgmental about this. This is through no fault of anyone's that this thing has happened. Let's try to remember that. And we spend money because we are a sophisticated economy. We are a rich economy still. And we help people out who fall into trouble through no fault of their own. Okay, there we go. That's my soapbox. Mark, is it okay for me to step down from my soapbox now and answer some financial questions? Okay. Mark says, step down carefully. Don't break any legs. Oh, and by the way, um, I should be careful because I have had like crazy Butterfingers experiences. I dropped my iPad. It shattered. I mean, it's a seven-year-old iPad, so I don't want to go crazy, but it did shatter. It's just the wrong way. Um, Mark says I have to get the exact same case that he gets for his nearly two-year-old child. That's what I need. I feel scolded and appropriately so. Okay. This is a question from Joe, who says, I'm married and we file our taxes jointly. We both max out our 401k plans and I get a 5% match. My wife gets a 10% match. We also both do a maximum contribution to a backdoor Roth. Guys, you know what that means? Just if everyone's listening, that means you're putting money into a non-deductible IRA and then immediately converting it into a Roth IRA. It is a way for people who make too much money to contribute to a Roth to get money into a Roth. Before you do anything like that, please get in touch with us if you're considering this, because this is incredibly important that you really focus on whether or not this is done correctly and whether it's right for you. So, okay, now let's get back to Joe. Joe says, we both work for the same company and they have a mega backdoor Roth option. I don't want to spend too much time on this. This is just a way, again, for people who make a lot of money with, and their employers recognize they have a lot of people who make a lot of money. The employer allows this amazing way to put a ton of money into a Roth without breaking any of the rules. So Joe says, I know there's a cap of 57000 or 59000 I just want to know, is that per person or if that's a cap for a married couple. Well, it is a per person. And I believe, I'm just going to look this up. I don't have my, hey, Mark, did you get those new Ed Slot uh, beautiful charts or not? Okay, we've gotten the request out. Okay, so the limit, I believe, was 57000 last year. And I think this year it's 58000 I think that's the limit. The good news for you, Joe, is that is a per person cap. Usually a lot of these caps that are discussed around retirement plans are based on a person's social security number, right? So whosever record it is, that's why it's not a couple-based limit. So that's good news for you. So keep throwing that money into those accounts and get going. Okay. All right. Sarah writes, I'm a big fan of the pod and all of yours and Mark's work. I've been following your advice for years. I'm looking forward to diversifying and rebalancing my portfolio. And I also take advantage of Roth options. Okay. Sarah's 30. She makes 90 grand a year. She's married. Spouse is 34, makes 77,000. No children, though. One super cute rescue pup. Any, um, is there a picture of that pup, Mark? What? Sarah, send us a picture of the rescue pup. Come on. 
Okay. Sarah doesn't, I love, by the way, 30 somethings are great. They really always keep their stuff separate. So Sarah writes about herself, no debt, but spouse has $10,000 in student loans, not paying them at the moment, right? Because we're in forbearance. No house, though, plan on moving cross country and buying a house in about three years. Six months in expenses are in an emergency reserve fund. All the accounts are with Vanguard. So here's what she's got. 23 grand in a Vanguard target date fund. Simple IRA, 22,000. Mutual fund, let's see, 7,000. She says, how can I diversify my portfolio? You don't have to really go crazy just yet. I mean, I think having the Vanguard target date fund, you're 30 years old, you got 23 grand. These are inexpensive funds. I think that's fine. Same thing. I mean, the simple is is good. I mean, I, I don't think you have so much money right now that you need to start adding in new funds. I don't think you need to do that. But when we look at this, so let's look at the two funds that you have. You've got one chunk of money in the Vanguard 500 index and one chunk of money in the total bond market index. I don't know. I don't, you got 22 grand. I don't know if you need to go crazy with it. And then she also has some money that's in um, the bond index in a mutual fund. Okay. How can I diversify my portfolio? You know, I don't want to go, again, I don't want to go nuts with this. Here's what I think you could do. Of your stock investing, you could add a 5 or 10% position in a Vanguard International Index and a 5 or 10% position in a, a small cap index. That's it. Those are the only two that I would actually look at adding. And it's part of your stock allocation. She says that on the Vanguard questionnaire, based on the outcome, she should have 100% in stocks. Mark and I are really wimpy. We are just not 100% stock kind of folks. And even if you say you're comfortable with 90 to 95%, that's fine. I just, in my entire life, have never been more than 80% in stocks. But I'm a wimp. So you could do more. But that's how I would say. The question about Roth being the riskiest, the question from Sarah is, well, then how does that impact my total allocation of international or mid cap or small cap or bonds? It means really not much for you right now. You're 30 years old, so everything is high risk. So it would mean more as you near retirement, because as people get closer to using the money that's in their accounts, they would probably diminish the amount that is in stocks. Not so much the the types of stocks, but stocks themselves. Okay. She's got extra cash. Her husband was unemployed slash self-employed for half of 2020. He's got five grand to invest in a Roth individual 401k, but he opened up individual 401k with Schwab at the end of 2020, not yet funded. Is Schwab better than nothing or can he convert into a Roth 401k? How? By when? Well, you can keep this thing open at Schwab. It's a traditional solo 401k. I don't know what's going to happen going forward. But what you might want to do, since it's just $5,000, why doesn't he just put money into a Roth IRA and not worry about a Roth 401k? And, you know, having a solo 401k is fine, except that if you're putting in less than uh, a Roth IRA or a regular IRA limit, then it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. So if you're putting in less than $6,000, that's 7,000 if you're over the age of 50, I would just stick it to into a Roth, Roth IRA, not a, not a 401k. Question now is about her Vanguard mutual fund. How meaningful are the risk ratings on Vanguard's website? You're in risky stuff. 
it's all stock. It's risky. Okay. So what you're looking at adding is the Vanguard Russell 2000 index fund, which is great. That's a small cap fund. I, I mentioned that before when we were talking about it. These are all risky things. They're stocks. Okay. Yes, there are some stocks that are riskier than others. The other fund that she's considering is a Vanguard Emerging Market Stock Index. I would just pick an international fund generally. You just have to have to keep going down 13 levels. Not right now. And everything else looks good, Sarah from Texas. So I hope that that helps you. Mark, anything to add for Sarah? Mark says you're uh, maybe overcomplicating this. And it may be true. I don't want to go nutty with you. You need essentially, gang, if you're thinking about this, like, what do I need? I don't really even care. If you have like $5 million, you could probably do well with these five. You could do a stock, a U.S. stock index fund, an international stock index fund, a small cap stock index fund. There's three right there for your stock exposure. If you were had like, yeah, you want a little emerging market exposure. Sure, I'd add that. Fine. Okay, there's four stock funds. You could have a REIT fund, a real estate investment trust fund, or any sort of real estate investment. Fine. You can have some bond, a bond fund. You can have a general bond index fund. You could have an international bond index fund. That's it. Maybe you'd want tips if you really thought inflation was a big problem. You could even have like a precious metals fund if you wanted to like throw in some insurance marker. I mean, I can't really figure out how you get more than eight. Yeah, people, Mark says people think they have more funds are going to make more money or they're going to diversify more. I love those things where you have like 20 funds and there's basically overlap in 18 of the 20 funds. Just the broad categories, gang. Okay. All right. Michael is not in good shape like Sarah. He's 29. And he says, I fell on hard times after getting out of the Marine Corps and got behind in my bills so far that I haven't paid anything for six years. I don't know where to even begin, where I would even send the money. I have personal loans, credit cards, and auto loan. Car was already repossessed. In total, I owe about $18,000. I don't know if I should file for bankruptcy or should I try to pay them off? I understand it's my fault. I got into this place. I take responsibility for the debt. I'm working, but it really is barely enough to live. Thanks for your help, Michael. Michael, this is what bankruptcy was created for, a situation like this. You fell on hard times, wipe the slate clean, and take a step into your new life. So you have to go see a bankruptcy attorney, and that means you're going to have to actually get some money from somebody to help pay that attorney. And you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. And then you are going to be limited as to what you can do in the future. But that's okay. Those limits are there for a reason. As you said, you know, you want to take responsibility. This is very good. Okay. And I think that if you really want to get back on your feet, you'll certainly be able to do so. You're going to have to be hyper-focused on the money that you have, the money that's coming in. Live frugally. That's the best you're going to be able to do. But indeed, everyone out there, this is why you have bankruptcy, because people need to get a fresh start. Bankruptcy is a particularly United States phenomenon. We don't have it around the world as much. Okay. This is a note and uh, it starts with, hi, Jill, you can call me West. Okay. I just recently started listening to your radio show. We have a sister broadcast, our radio show. It's just, it's on the weekends. Okay. I find it super useful. I enjoy getting to learn more about financial stability and resources. Your tone is welcoming. I love listening to you speak. I'm a young 20 something year old woman. I graduated from a master's program in the spring of 2020. 
All right. I was lucky enough to find a salaried position right out of grad school, but it's still entry level. I'll tell you what, if you got a job and you're making 53 grand a year uh, in the middle of a pandemic, that's good. That $53,000 will increase by 10,000 after my first year. Great. Okay. I was fortunate enough to attend undergraduate for practically nothing, had a full scholarship after the first year. I was not so lucky for grad school. I was awarded only $5,000 towards my program, and I have 70000 in student loans. Just to point out, that's not terrible because, you know, rule of thumb is that, you know, let's just say that a year from now she's making 63000 That's pretty close to the $70,000. she will be able to pay this off. But she also has $1,000 in credit card debt. She says she's going to pay that off in a month. She's got, you know, a bunch of bills. And she says, I want to start taking my financial stability seriously now so I don't end up in a bad place. I would love to be financially free so I can learn to save and enjoy my life fully. Any advice you have would be greatly appreciated. I'm just starting out. Thank you so much. I look forward to hearing from you, West. Okay, West, here's the deal. The first thing you are going to do is you're going to start tracking your money. I see that you you actually have the bills. You said rent and utilities, but that's not everything you spend. You've got to scour that cash flow for everything, right? Because a funny thing, you know what you know what uh, she left out? Food. There's no food in here. <laughs> so these are fixed. That's fine. But you know, there's other stuff. So I want you to either download an app like, like mint or clarity money, or you need a budget and figure out that cash flow. identify the amount of money every single month that you can allocate towards debt pay down. So as you said, you're going to do the credit card, that'll be done. Then I want you to say how much every month can I start to pay down in my student loans? I'd like you to do that after you have an emergency reserve fund. So start with getting that emergency reserve fund built up because who knows, it's strange times, right? Then from that moment, what I really think would be helpful would be to get you in a place where you are hyper-focused, paying down the debt. I don't know what kind, if these are private loans, you may be in forbearance, you may not, but I just think that you really have to take responsibility and get ahead of this. So good luck. Here is a note from Matt. This is awesome. This is from this week, Mark. This is great. Hi, Jill. I just found your podcast two days ago and have binge listened to at least 20 episodes. That's the kind of listener I want. Thank you for the great information. Okay, here's my question. Why would an index fund that is supposed to track an index not actually track it? The S&P fund offered as a choice by my employer is PEOPX. It says it's an S&P 500 index fund, but the returns are nowhere near the S&P. And he gave me a beautiful chart. You know what, Matt? Um, You should point out to your employer that instead of having a mutual fund that tracks the index that has a huge expense ratio, it's a 0.50%. That means that every year you start the year at minus 0.5%. And so you should tell your employer that if they want to have an index fund, perhaps they should try the Vanguard 500 index, which actually has a much lower expense ratio, 0.04%. So look at that difference. 
That's lazy on point of on the part of the employer. I don't know how that's in there. Shame on Bank of New York Mellon, where my friend works, by the way. Terrible. Unnecessarily excessive. Terrible. Oh, okay. But you know, good for Matt though, looking at the expense ratio of this, that's really amazing that you've like taken the time to do that. And and it is possible that you can just say to your boss, hey, do you realize that this fund that we have in here is really a stinker? If you're going to have an index fund, then have an index fund. Index funds are, you know, cost pennies, essentially. That's it. Hmm. All right. Okay. So it is Friday. So we've got a big weekend ahead, big football weekend. I hope everyone's excited about it. I know I am. Mark and I will be hopefully taking the other side of the Super Bowl bet, but we've got to get through this weekend to see if my Bills and his Packers make it to the Super Bowl. And if not, I'm, I'm of course, going to watch the Super Bowl, but I'm not going to have as much fun. If you have a financial question, we sure would like it if you could give us a holler. Our email address, askjill at jillonmoney.com, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Subscribe to this podcast or send it to someone you know. Mark and I want to double the number of downloads that we get this year. That's the goal. And Mark wants to double the number of comments and ratings. So if you have a chance, go leave a rating or review at Apple or wherever else you do such things. And in the meantime, before this weekend with the virus raging still, maybe on the sloping downward, but it's still pretty dangerous out there. Please wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and lift someone up today. You will feel better. That person will feel better. That is good juju in the universe, right? It's good. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.